George, you're, you've moved house. You're in a different house. Moved house, yeah. Finally done. It was very stressful. stressful for, uh, weekend, was it? Well, not so much for me, but definitely for the for the old dears, bless them. It was a lot, but uh, I'm here. I've got my swanky new office, so... Uh, Absolutely fine announcing to the world that you still live at home with your mum and dad as well. Absolutely fine of, with it, yeah. At the age of 23? Four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I look young, so it's fine. That actually, actually, that actually helped my argument, so thank you for that. I actually got absolutely roasted on the weekend. Roasted. Someone said, uh, I went into a bar, as you do, and got ID'd, naturally, because, I mean, for those that can't see me, I do look about 12. And uh, nobody got ID'd, except for me. So I'm just like, whatever. And then the woman Surely that's worse for said, them. Surely that's worse for your mates, because then they're like, hang on, you think we're hanging around with a child? True. But then... Uh, if it was one thing her IDing me when she didn't ID anyone else, she then said, oh, I bet you get ID'd for Red Bulls as well, don't you? Which is 16, isn't it? Basically oh, you have to be 16. I, okay, that's news to me. I did yeah, not know you were 16. Yeah, you have, to be, you have to be 16 by Red Bulls. So she said, I bet you get ID'd for Red Bulls as well. That's boring chat. Let's move on. Should yeah, we but... talk about some golf? There's quite a lot to get through. We've got Sophie Walker coming on, who people will know from, if they don't know her from her L.E.T. career, they'll know her from Sky Sports, certainly. But before we get there, let's talk about the DP World Tour, everyone's second favourite tournament. First of all, which of those <laughs> courses is your favourite? Have you played any of them? The old no. Kings Barnes and Carnoustie? No. Um, what's your favourite course absolutely. in terms of viewing? Well, I actually put a poll out, didn't I, on NCG's Twitter account. Yeah, and, I definitely uh, Well... And it was a it was a close call between Carnoustie and the old course. Um, I mean, I've only been to the old course, so I have to say that. But uh, well, the people were to be fair to people taking part in that poll. They a lot of them will have seen won't uh, sorry won't have seen Kings Barnes outside of this tournament. Whereas Carnoustie and the and certainly St Andrews, we obviously know a lot about because of their uh, position on the open rotor. Do we call yeah. it a rotor? We're not allowed to call it a rotor, are we? Not sure, but it is a rotor. What's your favourite of the three? Uh, inexplicably, I haven't played Carnoustie or Kings Barnes. When given that I've been in the golf industry for twenty years, is it's, it's hard to get my head around. I'm pretty upset about it, but I will try and right that wrong in the coming. Yeah, say, say, say I played, I played the old course a few times. I said, look, I I've been very fortunate to have played the old course twice in this job and once with a friend, and all three times. You just cannot beat that. Like I've played other open venues. I've played Birkdale. I've played um, St. Port. Can we count St. Port's as a, an open venue still? I've played Hoy Lake. And it's obviously, when you're standing on the first tee or any tee, it's it's nice to look out at the hole and think, oh, I, I know this hole so well because I've obviously seen it on the TV down the years so often. Obviously, nobody, apart from Augusta, the old course of St. Andrews is probably the, the one course that we know better than any we all know it inside out just from watching it on TV. There just isn't a better feeling than standing on that first tee at the old course. It just really isn't. It's just one of those things that you can't you can't even describe it. There's no point in me really talking about it, because unless you've been there and done it, there's the whole build up in the day where you're sitting out. Like I mean, when I went with a friend last year and we just sat on the 
wall behind the first tee, just watching people tee off for probably two hours. And after every single shot, and we, I mean, we were even decided. There's this, there's this wonderful thing when you're playing the playing the old course about what you're going to hit off the first tee. If you're a good golfer, you're probably just hitting an iron. All obviously, all the pros hit irons. Yeah. Um, if you're like me, you're hitting a driver. And uh, and me and my pal were just sat there and we're like, every, after every single shot, you're just like, I'm hitting iron. I'm hitting hybrid. No, I'm hitting driver. You just you change all the time. I mean, I, obviously, I decided on driver and I stuck with it. But it does. It does make you think once you see people hitting shots. And it is actually quite funny when you've got all these, especially the Americans come over, probably have never played Lynx golf before. Their introduction to Lynx golf is the uh, the home of golf. And they've got their caddy and the caddy saying to them, just hit an iron, you'll be absolutely fine. And you just see them absolutely crapping themselves. It's so funny to watch. Um, it's intriguing to watch, actually. And to be fair, you can sort of get away with it because as long, if you top it, it's fine because it just runs and runs and runs. But to answer your question, I, I have to say the old course because it's just magnificent. I uh, like uh, As a viewing course for a tournament, no. Like Carnoustie was... Carnoustie in 18 was one of my favourites. They had a grandstand which was sort of near... I think it was sort of near, it was just sort of in front of the first tee, near the 18th. But from the top, you could see so much. You could see the first, you could see 16, 17, all the way down 18, and obviously the 18th green. And if you positioned yourself correctly in the top of this, like I think it was like the top left as you're walking up the grandstand. If you positioned yourself in the right place, you could really see a lot of golf. Um, so viewing, I love Carnoustie, viewing golf course, absolutely wonderful. Uh to play, like I said, I haven't been to Carnoustie or Kings Barnes yet, but I'd even if I had, I'd be surprised if they took over from the old course simply because of my feelings there. Um, so yeah, so that's that. But yeah. if you were if you were doing your own Dunhill links, where would where would you take it? Well, I, well, Hoy Lake's my favourite of the open courses. So, so you would do like a Hoy Lake. So what do you have? Well, Hoy you could Lake, do you could do you could do Hoy Lake, uh, Burkdale. Yeah, Liverpool would work well, yeah. wouldn't it? That. But would then you've fun, got other. You've got other. So if you're going to take, if you're going to, if you're, if you're going to do the Dunhill Links thing and only have a couple of open venues, you could maybe have Hoylake and Birkdale. There's West Lanks you could throw in, Hillside you could throw in. Obviously a tour venue. Or you could do it if you're doing it inland. You could go down to like you could do like Sunningdale, Wentworth. There's blow loads around there, isn't there? The Dunhill Inland Links Championship. The Dunhill Inland. Yeah, exactly. But I actually think, I mean, and we spoke about this when when the Open was at St Andrews. And Hannah foolishly made the comment about how oh, the Open should be at St Andrews every year. Foolishly, in but... your opinion, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, read the article. It's, it's very balanced. Um, but one of the, the counter arguments was that, well, it just lo- loses how special it is, doesn't it? And I even think that's the same with just any links. Like, if we, it's, it's great, isn't it, seeing these courses on the Open? I'll call it Rotor again, but seeing them, you know, every three, four years or whatever. But if you were to just have more links events, it would really just. It'd make the open a bit less special, I think. Um, yeah. So I think it's right that we don't have as many as we do, and that okay, every now and again, you know, the Dunhill comes along and it's it's great. But yeah, keep it a minimum because it just it only makes the openers even more special. Yeah, I think that well, obviously that there's another obvious trio is Royal St George's, Princes, and St Ports, of course. I'm take us down to Devon because oh, obviously... I was knew it was coming. I was waiting for it. Why wouldn't you have? Imagine a link. Imagine the Dunhill links over Royal North Devon, Saunton, and Burnham and Barrow. It'd be absolutely magnificent. Actually, to be fair, I'm, I'm more with that because they're different courses, aren't they? 
we've all seen the downhill links courses that they had. You know, we see them all the time. Here, but it would be quite cool if they were to do it at Pavis and News Places. So, yeah, I'll give you that for once. South Wales, obviously, got some very nice links golf courses. Yes. Being, I mean, Porthcourt is one of those places that we've been talking about for years as a potential open venue, but that dreaded infrastructure word. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. It's nice to see Rory in contention, wasn't it, at, at, at St Andrews? I mean, he's just in contention every week as well, let alone at St Andrews, it seems. Um, I saw a really good tweet from um, Carl Porter that said, so it said Rory McIlroy at tournaments played at the old course this year, faced 322 golfers, beat 316 of them, that's 98.1%, lost to five, tied with one, and somehow won zero trophies. Zero, yeah. It sums it up. It's a shame. I know he was really, he was desperate to win the team event, wasn't he, with his dad? Um, I think that's what he was, he was more, like, that was what he had his sights on more than the actual individual comp. Um, but it is, it's a great tournament for that, isn't it? I mean, did you see, there was that fantastic moment with uh, the Fitzpatrick brothers um, getting to play with their mum, is it Sue? Um and it was just like this is what this 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 is why it's like a fan favorite tournament because you don't know who's going to play together you don't know who's going to come and show up and then like what are the chances of those two playing together with their mum at the old course like it was a really great moment I, I yeah I completely agree I, I I sort of have a love hate relationship for these pro arms I mean I I've, I've been to so many of the BMW PGA pro arms on the Wednesday at Wentworth to know that there are just a certain element of the celebrity field who are just yeah. there they just they they show off they're loud they're annoying and i think there's there's sort of a certain element of that as well with the dunhill links and of course the pebble beach pro-am as well i mean i don't want to name names we all know who they are we all know who i'm talking about <laughs> just those limelight hoggers that yeah we get it you're crap at golf like we know like it's just you don't it's it's very uh i think that's just me being a bit moody but also sort of a long-winded way of getting to the fact that actually what i love about the dunhill is you've got these moments, like you said, the Fitzpatrick brothers with their mum and, uh, I mean, Rory and his dad play in every programme they can together, don't they? Yeah. And it's just really lovely. And it's something that I think what I, what I like about it is that it is something that I would do. If my mum played golf and I was a pro golfer in one of these tournaments, I would take her along. I would take my dad along or my brothers or, or you know, some close friends and I'd, I'd, and I'd make it a thing for them. I'd say I'm in this unbelievable position where I get to play in these tournaments. And guess what? There's a couple of tournaments each year where I get to take someone along with me, a family member or a close friend or something like that. I've, I'd be more, I'm much more inclined to that than I am Know, teeing up with Bill Murray and listening to him or watching him show off for six hours it just you know as much of a hero Bill Murray is of course that's a good but, mix isn't it because you've got all different types of amateurs I mean I'm a I am a I know you're a bit moody about it but I'm a sucker for a good celebrity playing golf to be honest I eat it up I'm the exact target audience that they're going for so I liked it I flicked it on oh there's Mark Noble smashing one into the into the crowd on 18 yeah, it's good it's good fun oh, so you want to go you want to go and tee up with tubes from soccer am and, <laughs> and i want to go and take my dad I like that right. correct yeah that's good well there was there was there was one thing i i've been calling for this for ages and, and i think that this weekend sort of proved it for me really is that the open should be played in september when the pandemic struck golf's powers that be decided that the four tournaments were going to be in consecutive months starting with the masters in april and ending with the open in july 
they want to get the players in and they want to get the FedEx Cup playoffs at the end of it to make it some sort of like magnificent super summer of golf doesn't necessarily work for me. I mean, I, obviously, the, the 150th Open at St. Andrews was a wonderful occasion, but sort of spoiled by the fact that there was no wind or rain or anything like that. It was just generally a pretty calm week. And you didn't really get to see anyone properly struggling, which is what I actually really enjoy about watching Lynx golf. I mean, you sort of think that you've got this lottery of Lynx golf and then the weather doesn't play ball. And I think it's a bit of a shame. I have got a solution of sorts. I've jotted some notes down. So what do you think of this? Move the PGA Championship to earlier in the year. So like February. So it used to be played in February or I think it was played in February once, maybe. It's sort of generally considered the fourth major by everyone in terms of which ones they'd want to win so yes, why not yes. just make it the first of the year and then also if you've got that weight for the first major of the year like everyone's going to be far more excited for the pj championship because instead of waiting three weeks for it we've waited six yeah. months or whatever well you could put the masters anywhere it's not going to lose that is it so well i'm not okay. going to move the masters george i'm going to keep that where it is mm. so i'm going to move I'm going to move the PGA Championship to February. Obviously, you'd have to play it in nicer places weather-wise. Yeah. Um, you can't, you know, you can't take it to Chicago in February. So that means the player stays in March, the master stays in April. So you've already you've had February, March, and April, and we haven't even got to summer yet, and we've already had three of the biggest tournaments in golf. Wonderful for the first quarter of the year. Absolutely wonderful. And then you've got a nice. Maybe what six was that? <laughs> a nice six week break or so before the US Open, which we're going to keep in June. So you've got a nice little break between the Masters and the US Open to sort of get your fire burning for major championship golf again. And then we move the Open back to September, which means it's I mean, September generally weather wise is OK, but it sort of gives that nice lottery factor back in because you know anything could happen. We obviously had that horrific day at the Dunhill Links, didn't we, where they had to yeah. play a shotgun start. So, yeah, so I would go PGA February, Masters stays in April, US Open stays in June, Open goes back to September. So you've got this stretch from February to September. And then, of course, you only have to wait from September to February. February. So instead of waiting from July at the Open all the way through to March, which feels like a lifetime, you're halving that wait. And obviously, in the meantime, you've, you of course, I mean, you have, we already have the, conclusion of the european tour and the lpga tour to keep us happy but once those tours finish we're still sort of thinking guys so long until the masters george do you like my plan mm, i do like the plan in terms of it's less of a way i think what is it in tennis it's similar to that isn't it is it does it go august into january i think yeah because the you, the australian is in january isn't it yeah and that works really well <laughs> but I think the, the Open has to stay in July. Um, I love it being in July. I think there's still the risk that they could get bad weather. And we've seen that over the years. I think we were just, it was just exceptional this summer, wasn't it? It was like an outlier. It was just so dry and nice for every single day. Like there's still, most years, it still rains at least one of the days, doesn't it? We'll still get a day where, you know, look at Tiger in 2006, where he just, well, that was more than it was firm, but you still, you know, there's still, the weather still will, will We'll throw out, we'll throw curveballs in that the players are going to have to hit irons or play, there's going to be wind or we still get enough of that in July. And there's still the fact that that's our summer, isn't it? It's like we love having all the big, you know, Wimbledon's in July. And if the World Cup's on, that's in July. And then having, I think, the Open in that time of year as well, it just makes it quite special. I think that it's like the British summertime. So I'm with you on space them out a bit. I, I like the idea of the PJ being in February because 
like you say, it, it does need something. I mean, there's all these ludicrous calls, isn't there? That, oh, it shouldn't be the PGA at all. Or it should be another tournament. Or it should be. A... No, you've got to keep the PGA. But we do need to do something to heighten it. I think having that as the first one is a great idea and spacing them out a bit more. But I still think the Open should be in the summer. I'm also, this is always around my birthday, so I'm biased <laughs> to that. So should we compromise and say that in our new plan that we're going to take to the powers that be, is the PGA is going to go to the beginning of the year. So we're going to have this three-month run at the start of the year of PGA players, Masters. masters. Then there's like a little break where with a few decent regular season tour events to get us hyped up ahead of the US Open and the Open, which will stay in June and July. And then the FedEx Cup in August, the playoffs. And then we've only got to wait from the end of August, basically, until... Well, so actually, yeah. the, the last FedEx Cup playoffs event is usually the beginning September. of September, isn't it? So we've only got to wait until... February for the PGA. All right, I think we've just fixed golf. That's it. Yeah, so that was good. Appreciate that. Thank you. And then in Ryder Cup years, of course, like it, that 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 gap will feel like nothing. Well, that'll be September as well, won't it? So it'll just be. Yeah, so yeah. It's that that's always at the end of September. So in Ryder Cup years and Solheim Cup years, we we won't have to get anywhere. We won't have anywhere near as long a wait for a big tournament. Oh, George, we have fixed golf. Talking of the Ryder we Cup, have. Sepp Stracker, the Austrian. Stick another shrimp on the barbie. He's had a strange 2022 so far. So he had top 20s, pretending I'm not reading this off the page. He's had top 20s at the Farmers and the Genesis before winning the Honda Classic. Then a top 10 at the Players, a tie for third at the Heritage, which are all huge tournaments. Then listen to this. This was his run through the summer. Cut, cut, 73rd, 78th, 45th. Cut, 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 cut. And then he went second, 28th, 7th in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And now he started the 2023 season second. with a playoff, uh, with a second, yeah, playoff defeat to Mackenzie Hughes. Obviously, there's a long way to go, and he doesn't play any golf on this side of the Atlantic. Luke Donald's got six picks. Yeah, I mean, no one's talked about it, It's because he is going to run. It's just because he's not really a flashy name, is he? And no one really, and I don't think because he plays over it, enough people know about him, but um he's always been uh, i've been pushing for i mean who knows who are going to send it to six picks there's going to be some absolute like wow who are these guys to to you know the normal golf fan um but i looked earlier and, and similar to i mean we we just talked about dunhill ryan fox one he's done a crazy ranking jump hasn't he, in the last year but seb stracker started the year world 215 and he's now 25 26 which is crazy um i mean he's what if he's 26 in the world course he's got to be going to Rome though it's a no-brainer well I mean, I, with, with our depth the quali- the qualifying process is complicated isn't it in terms of the point yeah. system and it's much more heavily weighted towards playing on the DP World Tour which is why I think that Luke Donald's probably going to have to rely on a captain's pick to take him but if he's in the top as you say if he's in the top 25 in the world you cannot ignore it's a that. no-brainer yeah it's a no-brainer surely um you know usually players way outside that get picked don't they so yeah, but it's just not someone people have really spoke about. But I mean, I'd like I just want to see as many new faces as possible in, 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 in some way. You know, we spoke about it the other week. We're going to have probably our set six and then it's really as open to the next six. And yeah, I'm all for these new faces. Yeah, I, I think we discussed it maybe last week or certainly recently we've discussed it that it, it's for me, certainly this this Ryder Cup in Rome. I mean, obviously we want to win it, but I think quite a large proportion of Luke Donald's job 
for this Ryder Cup is building for the future. And, you know, hopefully we will have the Migliozzi's and the and what, at least one of the Hoygaards in the team. Yeah. And, you know, players that could potentially be playing Ryder Cup for Europe for many years to come. But, I mean, Stracker's 29. He's not, you know, we're not talking about someone who's fresh out of college here. Yeah, he only got his PGA Tour card in 2019, I think. Is that right? Just crazy. Jamie Vardy didn't sign for a Premier League team until he was 28, 29. Now he's one of the highest scorers. So age is exactly. dropped a number. I've, st- I've got five years still to peak for whatever sport I choose to do. <laughs> still time. If he can do it at 29, I can do anything. Well past it, mate. All right. Well, before we get to Sophie, we're just waiting for her to come on. Before we get to Sophie, um, let's just talk quickly about Mackenzie Hughes and Ryan Fox, because these are two players who were snubbed to use that tabloid phrase for the President's Cup last week. And then they went and won. There were certainly players ranked below both of them that that were picked by Trevor Immelman. And they have both used that motivation to go on and win the following week on the DP World and PGA Tours, respectively. Yeah, and I think they actually said, didn't they? They Both of them say in their their post-victory interview that they used that as sort of fuel to prove that they should have been picked and what a way to do it. They both got the win. Yeah, I mean, now that... Ryan Fox is 26 in the world because they were picking um, who's the young the young Canadian they picked he was like 120 130 in the in the world wasn't he um, did did anyone have a reason for that did he come out and say this is why I've left out these like you know players who have played except I mean Fox has won three times on the DP World Tour now so he'd won twice before the Presidents Cup this year it just didn't even I mean because of all the live stuff it just didn't even I think what. That was, no one, no one dared question him, did they? In the end, because it was like he'd been hit with this huge blow, with his star guys basically not been picked. It was like, who are we then to question him and who he then does pick? Do you know what I mean? Because it was just he'd been dealt such a short straw anyway, um, and no one really, the, 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 no, there wasn't really time to question who he then ended up picking. It was like it almost just felt like, oh, this is who's left, and then they went in. But actually, there was this. There were other names that. But surely that makes that makes this that makes this decision even more yeah. questionable because you're thinking, well, hang on a second, you you've lost the Cam Smiths of the world and the and uh, Mark Leishman and Wacken Neiman, so you've got three extra spaces, and the likes of Fox and Hughes still can't get in. Yeah, yeah, it's bad for them, but now they're winners, so perhaps they wouldn't have won if they didn't get snubbed. I can't imagine they trade either of these victories for a place on last week's President's Cup. That's, I mean, that's me speculating. I'm not saying that is the case, but yeah, I think if you said if you said to them you could play, you could have played on the present the losing President's Cup team, but you wouldn't win the following week. I don't think they'd take that over winning, would they? You'd want Forgotten. you'd want the, you'd want to win at St Andrews, <clears throat> wouldn't you? The Dunhill with all your family there. Exactly. You know, lovely, one, yeah. one 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 partying <laughs> with Tom Kim, maybe maybe might. Uh, might trade that but uh yeah what a family as well with the foxes by the way i mean yeah his dad was obviously world cup winner yeah the fantastic foxes but uh, i look because obviously it's well known that his dad was a world cup winner for for the all blacks in rugby and then i looked up his granddad also played like a million times for the cricket team he's in cricket team yeah um which is actually his his mum's dad so he's not technically a fox but what a family that is you've got Three international athletes. For... <laughs> There's so no got... technically about it. He's just not a fox. He's just not a different no. family altogether. <laughs> but yeah, what a family. Cricket, rugby and golf. All superstars. So. The, the only other thing that I just wanted to ask you about is 
Now, Bryson DeChambeau took part in the Long Drive Championship. Was it the World Long Drive Championship? It was the Long Drive. And he finished, and he finished second, I believe. Yeah. Which is like fair play. That's a great achievement. Whatever you think about him as a person or uh, as a professional or his decision to join Live or whatever. I mean, he's he's got this thing that he enjoys doing and he's throwing everything he can into it. And he obviously loves it and he's you know completely changed everything about him to make sure that he does well on it. What I'm interested to know is someone of your so like <laughs> I can't get into World Long Drive Champion. I just can't the whole fanfare around it, the the whooping, the hollering, the I I've 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 developed a, an irrational hatred for the phrase let's go because everybody is just <laughs> using it for everything right now. I, I just when I hear it, you know when like you hear nails down a blackboard it's like that um you probably didn't have blackboards at school but I just I mean but also and I had this conversation with a friend over the weekend and they went dude when we were kids we were well into like WWF wrestling or WWE whatever it is now Mm. and that's sort of all it is really isn't it but for golf now I know you like wrestling because you went to the one at Cardiff a couple of weeks was it SummerSlam (laughs) at Cardiff a couple of weeks ago so what why don't I like it and do you like it? It's a good question. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And this is something I should... All my personality traits suggest I should love this as well. <laughs> like, this seems right on my street. But, yeah, I can't get into it at all either. And I'm a bit like you. I sort of cringe when I do see it. Um, I mean, obviously, it has got, it's got a lot bigger, hasn't it, in the last five, six years. Um, so, obviously, a lot of people do love it. It's well, very American, having, having it? It's very American. It's yeah, like, it is a very American. so American. And Bryson fits it perfectly, doesn't he? But now nah, I can't really get into it. Um, but then I'm not really one that's, you know, some people are just obsessed with hitting it long in golf, aren't they? There is that. Yeah. You know, then boys, and they just, well, I've played with some of them, and they just, all they all they care about is hitting the long ball, right? Or going down the range, just smashing it as far as they can. And I've never really been into that either, mostly because I can't, but um, it's sort of the same thing. You're a it? plotter, aren't you, mate? We're, we're yeah. plotters. Um no, I can't can't really get into it. Although I, I did catch the finale where it was because before, and when I have watched it before, it's like uh, you get five shots each or whatever because it's head to head, isn't it? And you hit a shot, they hit a shot, whatever. But this was quite cool. I saw the finale and it was just you had there was a set time. I don't know what it was, and it was just hit as many balls as you can. So they were actually hitting balls simultaneously next to each other. So you weren't really aware of what the other guy was doing, but the scores were still coming in. Yeah. Which actually worked quite well than I just watched that and it was like it was a bit more exciting than what I'd seen before. Um it's just cringy there, like you say, when, when they're pumping the air and, and screaming, let's go. Uh it's quite funny. But good for Bryson. Like, I mean he he did, I think he was in it and he was a bit of a no one expected him to actually go far in it and he came runner up, which is insane really, considering he's not his main profession. Maybe it's because hitting a golf ball is that like just the act in itself is just actually quite boring you're, you're literally just hitting a golf ball and it's going a long way and I sort of think like I know you wouldn't have had this but I grew up on things like world's strongest man you know when we only had four channels and yeah, you basically yeah. had to choose one thing to watch and things like well so I sort of grew up watching people do ludicrous things so for me hitting a golf ball 420 yards or whatever it was doesn't really get my my juices flowing anyway 
Sophie's here, so let's talk to her. Before we do, I need to just ask people that if they like the podcast to subscribe on their preferred platform and then it will appear on your phone every week. It will appear and it will say there is a new podcast and you can listen to it at your leisure. Right, let's bring in Sophie. So we were just actually just talking about then more Lynx golf tournaments. How do you feel about that? Lynx golf courses don't need tour events. They already have all the history. So actually having a tournament is a little bit of hassle for them um, because they have to make up their money with all the tourists and the membership and infrastructures on Lynx golf courses aren't normally as good as these purpose built golf courses. Um, so if you're if you're a new golf course, we went to Drumoland Castle in Ireland for the L.E.T. And they wanted to make a name for themselves. They have put two million euro into this new golf course, this redesign, and they want to showcase it. Whereas Royal Birkdale doesn't need that. It has all the open history around it. So th- th- there is that, and they have membership to keep happy. That's why we see so many tour events go to courses that might be a little bit more corporate. Um, would I like more Lynx golf? Yeah, because that's what we, we grew up on. I, I don't know if tour pros every now and again, but I don't think they'd want it all the time because we like it to be fair. Golf should, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, playing for money. It's not look, look of the draw. We can't keep dealing with look of the draw every week. You're playing for your livelihood. If you get a couple of Lynx golf courses in a row and you get in the wrong side of the draw, I mean, there was one in the one that Charlie won. There was two strokes different between morning and afternoon because of the wind conditions. You have that a couple of weeks in a row or 10 times a year instead of four. You get unlucky and it's, it's not ideal. So personally, I love Lynx golf, but I understand why we don't go to it as much as most Brits had won. Well, that was just something George and I were chatting about before you came yeah. on. I realised we haven't actually introduced Sophie. So Sophie Walker <laughs> is a former tour pro with uh her website says more than 150 let starts i haven't checked that stat is that right it's two i think it's 200 you think yeah. it's 200 you need to update yeah. your website update it. now working as an analyst for sky watching her last night um with charlie hull and the old pga and of course the pga tour uh, an event host and a coach and you've done i mean you've done some instruction with ncg over the years i remember that and who can forget cart pool karaoke, which uh, I think was uh, a short lived for you, George, who's brand new. That was a short lived <laughs> series which starred Sophie Walker in one episode and Andy Sullivan in another episode where a former colleague of ours played the James Corden role. We played some music through some speakers and they sang songs in between answering questions. And it was brilliant. And we absolutely need to bring it back. Uh, so, yeah, we do. It Sorry. sounds like it, yeah. How's your how's your singing voice, George? Uh, impeccable. Haven't heard you sing yet, so I don't know. Anyway, did, so did you see your or hear Iona at the Dunhill? Yeah, singing some, um, Mr. Brightside. <laughs> yeah, so you need to get her on next. That's who we need. All right, we're bringing back Cartpool Karaoke. Iona, first guest. Uh, so, how are things going first before we talk about Charlie? Uh, I'll be honest, very tired. Decided to drive back from Sky last night, so didn't get in till four a.m. And there was a playoff, actually, PGA Tour, which wasn't ideal. But Nobody except, likes a PGA Tour playoff, do they? Nobody, We're all in like, nobody no. needs one. Nobody <laughs> needs one. I was still quite pumped up, I think, from Charlie winning. I felt wide awake. Um, normally I stay down there, but I decided just to get in the car and drive home. 
so yeah, a little bit tired, but Mondays are still a day off for me. Uh, just yeah. like it was on tour, it's still a day off. So you Good. should be very grateful, Alex. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Charlie then. Fantastic win for her. Well, from a from a English or British perspective, when one of our own is going well, the ratings go up. Everybody starts tuning in on the Sunday night in the studio. We get giddy. Well, we're supposed to be non-biased, but we know that everyone sat at home is thinking exactly the same as we are, especially when. It's it's an English player up against even non-Europeans. I was just really, I mean, I'm always impressed with Charlie. She's phenomenal. Such a great, I was going to say kid, but she's not a kid anymore. She's a young woman. Her maturity on on that, well, 72 holes, but yesterday was, I mean, she got off to a flyer. But the way she played, she's got Lydia Co, we all know Lydia Co, fantastic player up against her. She's playing in the final group alongside Celine Boutier, top ranked European in the world. And in some ways, in recent times, you're almost waiting for Charlie not to win because she hasn't won on the LPGA tour for six years. And, and it just looked like she went, no, it's not going to happen again. She'd had a long conversation with a couple of coaches back home, Nick, Nick and uh, Matt, and almost taken responsibility and said, I'm going to put in a little bit. It's not effort. Charlie plays a lot of golf. It's not, she's not on, people want, people say Charlie's uninterested. It's totally ridiculous. She loves the game of golf, but sometimes it is a game to her. And she's decided to put in a bit of work, I, I suppose. So when you put the work in, then you can let the game flow. And, and that's what she did last night. Her iron play was unbelievable. She was flagging it every single shot. I thought Adam on her bag was phenomenal. A very un-British win because it never looked in doubt. That's yeah. the biggest compliment I can give to her. I never thought she was going to wobble. Did you have a little, I, I mean, I when she stepped off the shot, I mean, absolutely the right thing to do was to step off of her shot because something distracted her, her approach to 18. But I had a little bit of a feeling in my stomach. I was like, oh, no, please don't. And then, and even in the air, she didn't like it. And I know she didn't hit the green, but she was only, what, 10 feet away. Look, Charlie's quite a twitchy person. You speak to her, she speaks very quickly. When she sets over the ball, she has, she's been having too many look, in my opinion, before this week, she's been having too many looks at the target. Yeah. Um, it was very quick, very rapid, even over her putting. That look to have just steadied down. But when you're in... That you know, nervous position, you sometimes go back to those traits, and it was like, I'm just not ready. So, yes, yeah, she pulled herself off it. You've seen many golfers do that, but the when she settles into a shot, when Charlie is settled, oh, it's unbelievable. She just pulls the trigger better than anybody else in the women's game and goes after shots. What I, what we were all praising was she was hitting full shots in. She wasn't trying to fiddle one in. She was like, if it's between a seven and a six iron, I'm going to hit a seven and I'm going to hit it hard. I mean, she hit seven iron, 176 yards on the last hole yesterday. There was full on commitment with that. And how often do we see, you know, we've all done it. We've all been on for a good score, even at our home course and let it slip away by whifting one short right. And you think, oh, God, here we go again. She just didn't look like that. And brilliant. Like I was pleased that 
that Janet missed the putt, so it made it easier for Charlie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, but. That's the thing about golf, isn't it? You really don't want to wish another player to to not hold a putt, but obviously we all were. And there was a lovely moment where you came back into the studio and Josh said, I know we're supposed to be unbiased, but we're all punching the air. I mean, Charlie said in her post-match interview about recently, it's been like her, her ball striking has been there, but it's been more about confidence from someone who is a professional athlete and people like George and I who aren't and never will be. That's... Like we, I don't think we realise just how important confidence is because it's not just about pure talent, is it? No, because she's playing alongside the best players in the world. So there's very little in between their games. If you walk down the range with them, they're all very good golfers. On their day, they can all win. So then you've got to find out what what's the missing ingredient. And quite often it is confidence and the interviews with Charlie were, were good this week. She let you into being focused, talking about just being me. I just want to do me. Um, it looked like she wasn't listening to outside noise. It looked like she had a plan. Sometimes I don't know if Charlie does have a plan how to play a golf course. She just sees it. It's like, what, what am I feeling? You know, she's a favourite golfer, Seve. And it, sometimes it looks like that. Whereas there was a plan of playing that golf course. You saw her hitting three woods off the tee, laying back when she didn't want to take on, even the shot on 18, she didn't take on that bunker. She laid back of it and trusted her ability with the seven iron. I think when you put in the work, you trust the process more. And she'd clearly set a little bit of a structure for herself by saying, I'm going to practice X amount of hours a day. I'm going to do this drill and this drill. I'm not going to be wishy-washy with it. She likes to play golf, whereas it looked like a little bit more structure, a little bit more clown, and then that therefore gives you the confidence because on your day, someone else is on their day as well. So there'll be 10 people, 15 people playing really well. And it, it's that belief in yourself. You have got to make yourself believe that you're going to win because any niggling bit of doubt and then that's so easy to not quite catch a golf shot not hit a putt hard enough be that inch or two short and, and literally before you stand over the ball you're just like I can do this I I can do this and and it's mad because you guys are like of course you can do it like you do this all the time but it's self-talk it's Adam next to her like reassuring her and then when it comes good, like I hope, and we were saying in the studio, that she looks at this and thinks, do you know what? I, I changed something this these last few weeks and it's really worked and I'm going to stick to that now. There was an incredibly sweet moment, wasn't there, where they were showing the replay of Janet's putt and, she, and Charlie turned to Adam and she have I won? <laughs> like it was very, very sweet. What's next for Charlie Hole? Because obviously we've all known her as this incredible up-and-coming talent and you said then before you know she's not a girl anymore she's a she's a woman and and you know it's, it's been well how many years has it been since that, when was her last win 2016 so it's been a long time since her last win and obviously over the last few years we've we've sort of not penciled her in that's not the right phrase but we've had her in our minds as a as a potential major champion now we've had Stopples, Matthew and um, Georgia Hall as the only three British major champions in the last 20, 25 years or so, is Charlie someone we can actually start sit, taking seriously as a, as a future major champion now? I, I don't think we need to say potential with Charlie now. 
it's, it's not potential. She's ready. Um, I, I'm glad more LPGA golf is shown on our TV screens because she is a top 50 player in the world every single year. Now, in the men's game, if, you know, European that's consistently in the top 50 in the world, yeah, pretty good. But in the women's game, I think it's arguably even better because there's so many amazing Asian players. The, the women's game is very much the world, whereas the men's game isn't quite yet. We might see that change. We started to see some movement with Hideki and, and Tom Kim, but but it's it, it's not. It's a very much a world game in, in the women's game. She came third at Evian and um, missed some chances. I was in the group behind her and, and I was seeing her miss some chances. She does actually play decent in majors. And I actually don't fear Charlie in the final groups. She doesn't get in the final groups enough. Like when she's in them, like yesterday, she thought, oh, it was quite fun, actually, when she made <laughs> Eagle. I thought, hey, this is nice. Just needs to get in that position more. And then I think I think she will get over the line. And you see this with players. They start creating some top tens in majors and then they get back. Then they start getting close with a third or a second and then they win. I don't think anybody or even us appreciate the significance of a win in America, be it on the PGA Tour or the LPGA Tour. That is a massive tick. When Georgia Hall won in America, that was I've done it because. If not, although she's won the Women's Open, she's still only known as well. She's good on links courses. She's good on yeah. links courses in England and Scotland. But can she do it on the LPGA? And obviously, most of the tournaments are over in America on, on those courses. Um, I mean, she got one more chance than any, any of the men because there's five, there's five majors. I always really liked Charlie around... Um, where the dinosaur was, the ANA Mission Mission Hills, that I really liked her around that, and she should have won that one year. Lydia Co got up and down um, on the last to win. She's been closer than I think we've all thought, but now that that the C word confidence will go, hopefully she'll go into next year. She's got to wait till April, but she's not a potential major champion. She is a major champion. Let's hope she goes and gets one. I, you said something really nice on the show last night after she won, and the kind of inspiration that Charlie is not only to young female golfers but young women in general yeah so Charlie is your average 26 year old woman okay she hammers Instagram (laughs) she (laughs) goes shopping with her mate she gets her nails done she's always getting her hair extensions done She, she isn't your average golfer and that's so important that if you're looking at somebody that if you are a golfer, you go, oh, God, she's got style. You know, there is an opportunity for some style in the game, fake eyelashes, all that lot. And then if you aren't a golfer and you're looking at the TV, you go, oh, she looks cool. Like she just looks like anyone else that I'll be seeing on on a night out or going through my Instagram or beauty. If you follow people beauty wise on Instagram. That is incredibly important. And it almost annoys me when people say, oh, why, you know, look at her with her hair. And No, she's 26 years old. She's, she's a young woman. That's what that's what women do. They take care of themselves. And, and she's just really good at her job, which happens to be golf. So that, that's, that's important for the young girls coming through. 
they're not looking at you know the average woman at the golf club is over 50 it's that's just the, the way it is isn't it charlie's not i mean she, she, yesterday she gave her winner's speech with her airpod in her ear like <laughs> that is just the typical like young girl thing to do isn't it like they've always got their airpods in um i just think she's a breath of fresh air and, and this is another thing actually charlie isn't a massive party girl people yeah. Instagram versus reality. Always remember that. Okay. Charlie works really hard on a golf. Charlie might go out and go to a nice restaurant and she doesn't drink a lot. Like she might, compared to your average person, Charlie Hill doesn't drink, you know, she might sit there with like a glass of something and take a photo of it and put it on Instagram. But she's not really because when you're a sports person, you've never had that opportunity. You've never been out on a Saturday night, on a Friday night, because you've got golf the next day. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see her having maybe a couple, but definitely she might stay out late and she might dance and stuff, but she's not somebody that, that does drink a lot. If you knew her, you know that there's a time and a place, obviously Christmas and stuff, but it's definitely she's not a drinker. It's interesting, isn't Sorry it? Because that's, again, it's the same. Well, no, it's the same thing, isn't it? Like it's 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 the side we don't see of it, which is really interesting. Because same with footballers or tennis players, whatever sport it is, like they don't get the chance to go out and let their hair down, and and they absolutely should be allowed to. And you know, if she's if she's going to go out and let her hair down tonight, then good for her. Like she absolutely deserves it. She's worked incredibly hard to get over the line again. Um, to do one of the most difficult things that you can do in her profession, which is win a tournament. Um, so absolutely, whether she drinks one or 20, she she's absolutely earned it. So <laughs> Good for her, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, it was, a brilliant, it was a brilliant win. It was good to see her back in the winner's circle. I think, like you say, she's she's got that star power that she, if she can just keep getting a few more wins, she really can be, you know, the, I mean, she already is one of the, the face of sort of women's golf for UK and, and the star that, that we're all looking to, to have. So George, yeah, George is a fellow Wobenite. They're both I Wobenite. am a fellow Woban member. Yeah, I was uh, very happy when they announced well, they, she was walking walking up 18. They said from Woban, England. I was like, she's definitely not from Woban, England, but I'll she's take it. It's good. But she's yeah, it's exactly. Good. But I was like, it's good in the women's game in England that we have two players that are the stars. You know, yeah. I'm sure people won't mind me saying it's Georgia and Charlie. They're friends because they play golf together. They're actually really different people um, and they tick so many boxes with each, with everybody. So when the Open, the Women's Open was at Woburn, the crowd Charlie took compared to the crowd Georgia took, totally different. Georgia, Georgia's crowd is the average golfer. Charlie's crowd isn't. You, you go to a tournament and you watch the people that go and see Charlie. There's, there's, there's not a golf shoe in sight there's there's not a the vibe there are visors because there's little girls that are looking like charlie it's quite yeah. amazing the amount of girls that have got the visor and the blonde hair very two very different crowd pleasers which i think is great for for women's golf yeah, in yeah. england that's it 100 100 um yeah sticking with the women's game and sophie but sort of moving on to something that has dominated the golf ecosystem as you call it over the last six months and that's live golf greg norman as he so often does came out yesterday and said that the women's league is now sort of at the forefront of his mind um, and it has been rumored for a while and but you're never quite sure with these things are you um 
sticking with that, how would you feel about a potential uh, Live Golf Women's League? And, and where do you see that going? Oh, I must have retired a few years too late, eh? <laughs> um, the Ladies European Tour has already benefited massively from Saudi investment with the Aramco Team Series. Uh, 60% of the prize fund was was from Aramco, which arguably saved the Ladies European Tour and has given it a, a platform to survive during COVID times and after it. So they know they've already practised I think in the ladies game they already know what works um next week is it next week next week in new york charlie hull will tee it up alongside the quarter sisters brooke henderson uh lexi thompson on the ladies european tour event with all those players being paid to be there so they're already they're already in the ecosystem of the women's game aramco is i'm not quite sure on the whole how they all fit together in fairness. Um, so, so it seems logical that, that that would happen, in my opinion, with, with the live stuff. I think from the men's side, it's gone better. I don't know if it's better than expected for them, but it's definitely been quicker, I would say, than they thought it was going to be. Uh, and they've seen a market and they'll probably try and do it again, maybe with the women, put it on at the same time. I'm not quite sure. Lexi, for instance, is in the same management company as, as Bryson. So players that share the same agents might be looking to to, to go in on that. Um, I'm not quite sure on the LPGA stance with it all. We're all very clear on the DP world and the PGA Tour stance, but not really sure on the LPGA stance with it yet. We, we were sort of discussing it a couple of weeks ago and we were saying that with the PGA Tour, you've got this opportunity where or you've got this situation where you can lose a few of these players, even if they are massive stars like Bryson or um, uh, DJ or Kepka or whoever. And actually, the PGA Tour is, is just fine. Um, if you take the Corder sisters and Kang or whoever, I'm not saying they're going to join Live, but if you took those big, huge, if you took, say, the 10 biggest names in the on the LPGA out, it probably affects the LPGA more than the PGA Tour has been affected. Oh, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, if you took the 10 biggest names out of the PGA Tour, I think I think if you took Spieth, JT, Rory, Bryce, I think that would be a, that'd be a massive loss to them. Um, which is why they're so keen to keep them. Uh, I, I don't know. The only thing I could, could potentially see is they maybe they could live alongside each other, alongside each other because there isn't a schedule which is every single week on the LPGA tour. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it will go. I, you know, if you're the commissioner of the LPGA, <clears throat> do you see what's happened from the men's side and and learn from it and talk to them or I mean there isn't there isn't the same animosity between Greg Norman and the LPGA I wouldn't imagine um but then the LPGA are quite closely aligned with the PGA Tour so they might go along that stance but who knows I mean this was dead in the water wasn't it in February (laughs) (laughs) and all things changed I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there, didn't you? You're saying that the LPGA schedule isn't every single week the way that the PGA Tour schedule is, and that's why there was going to be a clash there. So I think, I mean, I mean, I, I hadn't thought about that before actually. That's the thing, a very, very good point. But uh, yeah, I mean, no, it's I, pretty, it's pretty clear that the women are very open to 
to well, to go in if they're playing in the Aramco stuff, right? And I'm looking at it as say that a women's live league launches. There's then certainly going to be crossover between the men's and the women's game. And we spoke about what was it last week or the week before the Presidents Cup. Oh, wouldn't it be great if this became a mixed team event or whatnot? You know, there's the quality is there on the women's side, but certainly if if live uh, of women's league came to fruition, that would be something that would be looked at, and that would only surely heighten the women's game. I think there's there's a couple of things with the live. Is it it's, what is the argument? Is it where the money's coming from, or is it because they're starting their own league? I think that's that's the question that people um, kind of don't really ever answer. It doesn't seem like Liv's going anywhere. And for me, if that's, if that's the next progression to go into the women's game, then, like, fair enough, you know. Um, would I like to see more men's and women's golf run alongside each other? Yes, I like I like them playing alongside each other. I'm not 100% sure of putting it into the President's Cup. I think the President's Cup was reasonably successful. I don't mind having something that runs alongside the President's Cup, like obviously because there's only a couple of matches out, isn't there, every day. If you could put put the, the women's behind it or in front of it or in, in it and they both play for the President's Cup but the men's and the women's version, I'd, I'd be more than happy with that. Um, it seemed like it means a lot. Of, who are we as Europeans to say? Can you imagine if the Canadians go, oh, I think the Ryder Cup needs to be the rest of the, <laughs> some women in it. We'd be like, who are you to say that? It's, I think it's a bit much for us Europeans to try and get involved with the President's Cup because it's got nothing to do with us. Yeah, I, I said last week, I think it was massively disrespectful to suggest that we change up the format of the President's Cup in the same way, as you say there, it'd be massively disrespectful if anyone told us that we should we need to change up the Ryder Cup um, or, or indeed the Solheim Cup. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I fully am behind. I've said it last week and I think, I'm going to say it again right now. I'm fully behind a mixed team of LPGA, PGA Tour event. Uh, which just is a completely separate event, and I, and I think I genuinely I think there's enough people talking about it that that they must know about it. Like the PJ Tour and the LPGA must know that these discussions are happening, whether it's just on social or in in golf circles. So I, I but fully... this is the this is the difference with it. Like somebody like Liv has the has the capacity to make it happen, like in four weeks' time. Yeah. They don't they don't need to sit around a boardroom and ask their members and the members then vote. And, and so that's why Liv gets in there so early, because there's only a couple of people making a decision, whereas the other tours are member run. And you've got to go through a process of the board and and everything like that. And that's why Liv have kind of taken everything that we've all said for, for like the last few years and they can just do it because they got the money and they got that just only a few people that need to say yes to it. So they're very, very reactive and listening to what people are saying, which is actually getting more people on board because, like, you have to be like, yeah, they've done it. I've been saying this for, like, the last year. Well, it's really hard to put on a tournament. Like, it costs a lot of money, takes a lot of time. But with Liv, they've they've got all of that. (laughs) Money, money can get things done as, as quickly as possible. Overnight, yeah. Yeah. Sophie, I'm really conscious that we've taken up a lot of your time, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you. That was really, really generous of you to to come on and talk about Charlie. And, and like you say, she is a major champion, and, and hopefully she does uh, lift one of those trophies, preferably next year. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would. Hopefully the pressure is off her, on her mind, to go and win one now. Definitely. Brilliant. All right, so thanks for your time. I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Sophie.
thank you to Sophie for coming on. That was uh, incredibly interesting. And hopefully she'll be back on soon to discuss Charlie Hull winning a major. George, we didn't even get to talk about Liv. Unbelievable. So I know. I'm, I'm well, gutted, there is, there is... to be honest. No, I'm gutted. <laughs> I'm really upset. Liv's number one fan just wanted to talk about Liv. I feel like you're trying no, I did to... Get a, I did get a question in there. I couldn't resist. Well, yeah, you got, we, got, we got a bit of... But that was, what I meant is we, did, we, we didn't get anything about this week's Liv event. So we'll... we'll no. But it's, it's, it's happening this week. So we'll talk about it next week. Unless people don't want us to. If you don't want us to talk about Liv next week, tweet well, us. Well, uh, all I'm going to say is October is Liv, Liv and more Liv. So we cannot avoid it moving forward. There you go. And, and Halloween. Which... <laughs> it's quite fitting, really. <laughs> a metaphor for... All right. Cheers. Bye-bye.